Welcome to the Smell Yeah Podcast. I'm your host, Irene Plax. Even as a child, I was fascinated by the powerful magic of fragrances and potions. And later, I taught cooking classes and cooked in restaurants. In my day-to-day life, I'm often asking, can you smell that? And people tell me no. Whether that's your story or you're the opposite, this podcast is for you. We'll hear from scientists, perfumers, herbalists, futurists, chefs, artists, and more, because smell touches every single one of us, even when you're unable to smell. Each guest will share a tip just for you, and you can ask them your questions for our Smell Mail segment by dropping a comment at Smell Yeah Podcast on Instagram. Let's get into it. Smell Yeah. You smell that? Welcome to episode one, the first episode ever. I got a super duper special guest, perfumer and musician Hugo Charon. Yes, I practiced my French accent for this intro. Did you know many of the scented things you smell come from a handful of big companies? Even the chips that you enjoy chomping on were probably made there. Hugo shares the importance of intergenerational relationships in perfumery, synesthesia between music and fragrance, and talks about his journey to become a perfumer. Welcome to the Smell Yeah podcast. Introduce yourself. So my name is uh, Hugo Charon. I'm a junior perfumer at Man. So I'm from France, a little uh, uh, town in the middle of nowhere. It's called Sancerre, but uh, it's really, really well known of, uh, because of the wine there is over there. Very nice Sauvignon Blanc. What started you on your perfume journey? I read that book from uh, Patrick Suskin, you know, The Perfume, Sorry for Murderer. And I found it like, I was like 13 or 40 years old, 14 years old, sorry. And uh, I found it interesting the way like all the smells were described. It was like kind of a new invisible uh, world. So I think it was from that moment. And uh, then I forgot about that. And uh, I think I loved uh, mixing things together. When I was in my um, engineering school, so I'm an engineer, I was like, yeah, I need to try something. I, I, I feel I need to try something in that direction. So I took a gap year. And uh, during that gap year, uh, I went to Gallimard in the south of France. And it was uh, the first time I experienced uh, the perfume uh, perfume job. And when I discovered it, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm going to try to to pursue my um, my dream, and from that moment, like yeah, I, I realized that it's it was difficult to achieve that, but I think like if you believe in something very hard, you can you can succeed. So I ended up ended up my um, engineering school. I went uh, to work to L'Oréal for a bit. From engineering school to L'Oréal. So it, I I am an engineer. It was more about like mixing uh, inks together, mixing ingredients to create ink, to create to create um, tape, to create uh, painting or cosmetics, but not perfume at that moment, since it's very specific type of formulation. And then, so I worked a bit for L'Oréal, and uh, then I did another, actually, master degree focused on perfume. It was in Montpellier. Uh, it was focused also in chemistry, chemistry for flavors and perfumes. And I did an apprenticeship at L'Oréal at that moment in the perfume development team. Meaning? So meaning uh, we were receiving 
a lot of uh, different perfumes from uh, the industry, and we were incorporating in uh, like alcohol or in shower gels or in shaving creams, and to study like the stability of it during the time. So it was interesting, but there was no olfactory uh, creation. It was more like a cosmetic formulation uh, creation uh, process. So I was like, yeah, I'm not. I like it, but I'm not. I don't see myself doing that forever. So I left, and then I was trying to find a position as a, an assistant of a perfumer or a trainee. Hugo had the chance to work for Christophe Lodamiel, an independent perfumer who used to work for IFF, a big fragrance company. More on those companies later. Christophe had invited me to check out his lab, and Hugo was there working as an assistant who showed me around. We kept in touch. Hugo continued to train with Christophe as an assistant and then a trainee for four years. And then an opportunity came along with Mun, another big fragrance company. Well, first of all, what are you doing specifically at Mun? So right now I'm um, focused. So you have different kind of perfumers. You have um, so different categories we're working on. So you have the fine fragrance perfumers. That's the perfume you find at uh, Sephora or uh, Douglas, all of that, those uh, perfume for skin. And then you have other perfumers that do perfumery for um, uh, laundry or for shower gels. Actually, the funny thing is like 80% of the business is uh, for those uh, categories, more laundry, detergents, etc. And the 20% left is the, the fine fragrance uh, part. So I'm in the fine fragrance team, and uh, we are um, working for different clients uh, yeah, all over the world. So is there a distinction between fine fragrance? Does that always mean perfume, or does that mean like it's working for a more elevated brand? No, no, it's like all kind of uh, of brands from uh, niche perfumery to haute uh, couture or like more prestige or mastiche. Got it. It's uh, it's with the alcohol alcohol as the carrier to to perfume compared to like a, a, a lotion, a cream, or a candle. You know, it's uh, different in the way that the f- the finality of the perfume you are, you are going to wear is on the skin. So men is one of, uh, sometimes I've heard big seven, I've heard big three, I hear big five. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what those big, what those big companies are? So that's, I would say at least six when thinking about it. <laughs> so those companies are like uh, big companies that uh, create ingredients for, so for the flavor and the perfume uh, industry, um, the leader is uh, Givaudan. So it's a Swiss company. Then you have another Swiss company, which is uh, called uh, Firmenich. Uh, IFF is uh, an American company, so it's international flavors and fragrances. Then you have a German one, Simrise. And then you have a, a French one, which is Man. So this is the first French company in the top five. And you also have a Japanese one, Takasago. 
And those guys, they are like sharing like 80, 90% of the, of all the global uh, food and uh, perfume business in terms of uh, flavoring, flavoring for food and uh, fragrancing for fragrances. So, um, and uh, Could you give us an example of something that would be flavored by a big company? Like chips, like uh, when you buy like frozen dishes, uh, I don't know, like uh, uh, um, when you go to a fast food, you have uh, all the different salsas of that. I mean, everything, literally everything, uh, or even when... uh, when you have like things that are like uh, less uh, with less salt, the flavorist, they it's with, it's really with less salt or so less salty, savory, but they're going to work on a on a on the flavor which will give the impression of the saltiness, but there is no salt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it would work the same as if a brand wanted to produce a fragrance. They would work yeah. with one of those companies until they got exactly what they wanted and the company yeah. would make it exactly, and the brand would put it out. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, for the factory, the, the clients of, of uh, those big uh, companies are like uh, brands that you know more clearly. Uh, for instance, if we take the example of Man, uh, we our clients are like L'Oréal, Estée Lauder, uh, Coty. So those big guys, they have like licenses of fragrances. So if you take the example of L'Oréal, you have uh, they have like the Yves Saint Laurent brand, they have the Lancôme, they have the Cacharel, um, all of that. And what they do is they make a competition. Between all all the fragrances I I mentioned, so it's uh, different in every case. But um, uh, for instance, for the next uh, Yves Saint Laurent, they're going to say, "Okay, hello, we would like you to design um, uh, a perfume for the next uh, floral for Yves Saint Laurent." So you can work on it and you submit as things. So they do that with all the different companies. At some point, they are like. Okay, we like that direction. So you are kept for the next round, blah, 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 blah. blah. And at the end, you have only one winner. Uh, so it's a very challenging uh, industry. And the funny thing is sometimes you're also competing with your colleagues. So you, you work also with your colleague on uh, certain projects, but then you also do your own creation and then... Um, the the creation like one colleague created could be better than yours so it's going like a uh, far um, away in the in that process of uh, competition so it's a interesting atmosphere you work with them but you're also competitors so it's a it's a funny funny word so um could you like yeah. ex- explain what it actually looks like inside the lab? I've been inside of an IFF lab and it, it looks like a science lab to me with tiny bottles everywhere and then different machines for processing. 
But if, every day when you're going to work, yeah. are you in the lab? Are you in the office? I mean, I guess it's a little different now so, because of the Rona, but. Yeah, yeah. So with the, the Corona, it's, uh, you have a lot of restrictions. So who can come to the lab or not to limit like the, to limit the fact that you can uh, be close to, to people. But usually uh, perfumer uh, is not going to the lab anymore because he has, um, she has a compounder, a lab assistant that is uh, like, um, so the assistant has a scale. I, like if you create a recipe of uh, when you are, you are in the kitchen, you would put like a, a bit of tomato, a bit of uh, uh, pickles and uh, but you, you measure the exact quantity of those tomatoes. So our tomatoes are not tomatoes. They are like uh, rose oil, uh, jasmine oil, oris, or even uh, uh, chemicals. And yeah, this is important to have chemicals. We can talk about that later. Uh, and so I have a computer and I wrote my recipe in a software. And uh, this software is uh, recording uh, what I'm creating. And then I'm sending that formula to the lab assistant and is uh, compounding what I've created. Um, I like also being in the lab and still compound my own because you have more interactions with the ingredients. And sometimes you are like, okay, I did put like uh, 2% of that, but this is too much. I'm going to reduce, reduce it a bit. So I think it's important to, I think most perfumers, they don't weigh anymore their, their, their formulas. I mean, uh, because you need to produce a lot of things and compounding a, a formula, I don't know if you realize, but it can take an hour, you know? I don't realize. Yeah. Because uh, you have, uh, imagine a, a perfume you in a, in, a, in a creation, you have like between, let's say, 20 is very, a very short formula to a hundred ingredients. So you need to take each ingredient from the shelf. You take it and then you need to open the bottle. You need to take your pipette and you need to pour the exact quantity on the scale. And you do that with uh, every ingredient. So it's, it's a long, 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 long process. And then after you mix it together, does that mean the formula is compounded or do you, does it then have to like get swirled around or something? No, it's uh, the, but then you have also you, so all the ingredients are not liquids. You are, you also have powders. So uh, if you have powders, the time that it needs to dissolve takes a bit of time. So you can, you can uh, heat a bit, but not too much because otherwise you, you destroy the, very volatile molecules. So, um, but yeah, basically the, the oil is compounded. The perfume is ready to go, but then you have some maceration that is important as well. Uh, so meaning like, a, like a good wine would need to, to have some time to, to get tasted. Like the, the perfume in itself is like working together. It's like, the ingredients are blending more. Like uh, it's easy to to imagine that. Like uh, you, the more you you wait, the more like the molecules will blend together. Actually, 
So unfortunately, we don't have uh, always the time to to make it macerate. But the more the, you will make it macerate, the deeper the perfume will be. Yeah. How long do you think it took you to start understanding this needs to macerate for this long? These two fragrances are these two pieces of a fragrance are going to have this reaction. I mean, for me, it's you. Of course, the more you practice, the more you have uh, you build something in yourself. You believe in it's like a referential, and uh, but you are always surprised. You know, you can. Um, I, I will predict like. Uh, in a more accurate thing than you because you don't do that every day. And uh, somebody that is um, more experienced than me will, will do it better, but we are always uh, surprised. And that's the beauty of the, the job. So usually the first trial you do is not balanced perfectly. So you need to, so you have the idea in your, in your mind, mm-hmm. you create your recipe, the lab is compounding it, your assistant, and then you make sure like what you had in mind is aligned with what what you smell. And really the first trial is never never the, the good one. So you need to make small adjustments. Okay, uh, I wanted to create a rose, but that rose is too fruity. Why it's too fruity? Because, okay, I put that uh, ethyl 2 methyl butyrate, and it's coming out too much. So I need to reduce it a bit. Or is it too green because I put uh, too much this or too much I don't know, whatever. But uh, see, it's a complicated. It's it's fascinating. I love that. Where are you at in your career right now? So no, I'm at the beginning of it. So I'm uh, still a junior. But then you have uh, several steps uh, to to become perfumer. It depends on a lot of things. Uh, you have exams. At the beginning, usually you are an, an assistant, but then you can have the opportunity to be a trainee and then you can become a junior. And uh, then you, you become a perfumer after several years. So in, in the big five companies, it's uh, you become a junior after uh, bringing some business to the company. You know, when you first were telling me about your education for being a perfumer, it reminded me of medical school a little bit. You know, there's like a fellowship and before that you have a residency. So at what point in the process do you have exams? What are your like big exams as you're being trained? To have exams, you need to be, to have the opportunity to be, to have those exams. So usually um, what you I would say that the process to to have to be uh, trained is uh, you are chem- you do a bit of chemistry, like a bachelor in chemistry, and then you you, in- you integrate like uh, either an university which is specialized in um, in uh, chemistry for fragrances and flavors, or you have like uh, special schools. Like Ezipka, I don't know if you have heard of it. In uh, France, you also have uh, École Supérieure du Parfum. Uh, fortunately, you don't have a lot of other um, training like that outside of of France. A bit of things in, I think, Italy. In the US, you don't have that a lot. So, you so you do you do your five years of uh, those uh, general perfumery school, and after. 
uh, and generally here you 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 learn a lot of uh, the history of perfumery, the different jobs you have in the in the perfumery uh, uh, business. So you have the perfumer, yes, but you also have like evaluation, you also have marketing, you also have sales, you have you have uh, you have uh, an uh, QC and quality control analysis, blah blah blah, and then at the end of those five years, if you still want to become a perfumer because sometimes you have an idea of uh, being a perfumer and then you realize maybe it's not for you maybe you are more in, in the marketing side more than the creating side but at the end of those five years usually uh, to be trained the best is to enter an internal school so I, I told you about those big uh, five, six companies. So each of those big five, six companies, they have internal schools for the flavorists and for the perfumers. And they pick like two, three, uh, perfumers. I mean, trainees every two years, three years to be trained. And so they invest a lot of the, in them. And then they were going to work in that company for the next, uh, years, 10 years or something. And when you have the opportunity to, to begin that training, you, you have exams there. Actually, you are, usually you are alone, so you can be very concentrated and all day they just give you something to smell and you need to describe it. So meaning you don't need to recognize what is it, but they are also testing the fact like you can describe something. So if they, this is a rose they are going, they, they give you and you're not, you're not able to, to say it's a rose. It's, it's okay. But the fact that you're going to say, okay, this is floral. There is a bit of fruitiness and some spiciness into it. Like that, they see that you can feel what you smell and then they're going to train you, uh, to differentiate a rose to a geranium, you know? But this is like in the process to be accepted in the in the school. So this is one way. It's very difficult to enter it. Um, you have a lot of competitions, a lot of interviews. So I did that with Givaudan and Firmenich in the past. And uh, you have olfactory tests uh, to see if you can smell, but you also have like uh, more face-to-face -face interviews with perfumers, with the management teams. And uh, they are seeing if you could fit the the, the company actually. And then you can, uh, with Fionish, I had also some uh, presentations I needed to do about like the, the job of a perfumer, what I think it was. It was like a one day and a half like, interview like that. It was very intense. And then at the end, uh, so I was not selected. I was in the finals, but I was not selected. So I was very sad, blah, blah, blah. But then I kept moving and uh, there is not only that way. See, I, I didn't do that and I succeeded in uh, being in the position I'm right now. But I had the chance to, to be trained by a mentor, so we, who was Christophe. So this is, I would say, another way to, to become a perfumer is to be trained by a, a mentor. It's also kind of rare and complicated to find that position, 
But uh, if you have the opportunity, it's uh, very, very interesting. And with Christophe, I also, at the beginning, I was an assistant for a few months. Then I became a trainee, meaning I was still his assistant, but I was doing like uh, exercises um, like uh, in the afternoon or the night to be trained. So he was giving me exercises. Okay, create a rose, create a fruity rose. Uh, create, uh, I don't know, a C impression or something like that. And so I was doing my trials. I was making him smell what I'm, I was doing. And then he was like, okay, this is good. Oh, no, this is not good enough. Uh, you need to kind of a, of a guide, actually. Was there any point in your development as a perfumer that you discovered a word that sort of opened up I would say like you build your vocabulary through through time. I mean, it's it's normal to that is difficult for us to 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 think about smells when trying to describe it because we there is no vocabulary. So we we borrow vocabulary from all the other senses. So you can talk in temperature. Okay, this is cold. This is warm. Can you can. Uh, talk with uh, colors, okay, this is more red direction, green direction. But um, I would say, yeah, this experience that would uh, make you understand what are the words you're going to use. But then the important, important thing is to be able to, to communicate that through other people, your colleagues, because when I'm working uh, with a colleague, my green is not the same green as you, maybe, but this is green. So we need to have a common, a common uh, part to, to make sure like we understand each other. You know. Do you think your tastes have changed a lot since you began? Mm, I think you have two kind of tastes. Tastes. You have the like the one that you acquired and the one that were there inside you. Uh, kind of innate, and um, I would say that yeah. But y- your your tastes are changing through experience, right? For instance, uh, when you were a kid, so I don't know if you liked spinach or not, but I didn't like spinach. Spinach, and now I like it. So I think you have several layers, and things that can change and things that cannot. But I would say, like, uh, when you're a perfumer, you also need to tame your tastes because I don't create a perfume for myself. I create for, uh, for, for people. So I don't want to lose my tastes, but I want to be able to express them, uh, through something that's going to please people. And if I only listen to myself, okay, I will put uh, maybe only woods and only spices. But uh, maybe if you uh, create a passion for you, you don't like that. So I need to be able to understand you and to to make sure like my tastes are uh, coming with yours and to create the the perfume you want, you know? Were there any big hurdles that were difficult for you in your development? 
I would say like uh, having mentors are helping me to understand that when you do trials on a theme, you need to to not to overdose, but to make sure like what you do for the next move will be smelt. At the beginning, I think I was a bit shy. And maybe I'm still a bit shy in the way of like, I want to achieve that. So I need to make sure it will happen and not like putting touches of things. Um, because then you, you lose a bit of the time. So I would say that. To be more bold. Yeah. 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 Say? Okay. To be more bold in the, not bold, but more like a uh, Frank. Like okay, I want to to smell uh, to smell uh, I don't know like a uh, spice in the next round. So I'm not just going to put a little bit of a spice. I'm going to maybe put too much, but at least you reach your goal, and then you can reduce it. Because if you are too shy, mm. you don't reach that thing, and uh, I think you lose a. Sometimes, of course, you will learn things if you do like tiny, tiny tweaks. But then if the structure of the perfume is not here, maybe what I, I was doing was the more the fine tuning at the end. So I realized that. And also um, that's like, a, yeah, a, you talk about perfumers, but you have a lot of people involved in the process of uh, creating a perfume. So you have like uh, the marketing team, the um, salespeople, the evaluators. So um, those guys are like, uh, they're also in the creative process, but they are more in the marketing side. So they are guides. They know the clients more than you do. And they help you to understand what the clients want. And for me, the perfume job is like, what is great is you are like at the crossroads of all those people. And you, and I think people don't realize that. So I think it's an important thing. Say more about that. Like when you create a perfume, you have like, you just, you don't have only one perfumer in it. You have uh, like 50 people. Just for the, to create the, the, the perfume. I'm not talking about the brand and the bottles or that. So you have the assistant, you have the evaluator, the sales person, the, uh, yeah, the marketing team, also the regular, regulatory issue, uh, team. This is something we didn't talk about, but like, uh, we follow rules to be sure like, uh, people are, are safe when they put perfume on. Um, and you have fully dedicated teams to that. That's why when you are like uh, independent, sometimes I would say you spend more time on all those all those things, and you are not focused hundred uh, percent on the creation because you need to take care of the regulatory. You need to be also the salespeople. You need to, I mean, you can have an assistant, but uh, you. You can, yeah, you need to, to sell yourself. So for me, like being independent is very, very hard and, uh, very bold because you, 
yeah, you need to take care of like a freelancer kind of a job. So you are less, less dedicated to creation. Can you explain a little bit what an independent perfumer, how an independent perfumer fits into the context of like the big five houses? So first you need to build your, you don't have like access to those, to the ingredients. So you need to build your own, you know, you know, organ, your own organ. So it's a lot of money. Um, and also, you sorry, know, your own what? Your own, we call it an organ, like a piano, you know, uh-huh. where you have all your bottles. We call that like all the ingredients are different notes. So we call like our, our, um, our ingredients or organ or palette, like a painter. But we don't have like uh-huh. uh, only 88 keys, but we have like uh, thousands of, uh, of uh, different ingredients. And, um, so when you then you are independent, you need to take care of all of that, the rega- regulatory issues, the the fact like you need to make sure like you have enough of those ingredients. So in the big houses, we have the chance to to be more splitted in the jobs we are doing. So I think you are more focused. Um, you are more focused on one task, which is good or bad. I mean, I love the the answer of the, uh, about that, but I think, yeah, this is two different, um, those are two different jobs. And then you have, you also have like, uh, independent brands that are coming to the, to the big, in the big five to create yeah, their perfumes because I think they are maybe, uh, they know like, uh, like the, um, safety regulation issues will be taken care of. So maybe they are more like, uh, feeling comfortable with that. And, uh, for the big houses. So it's an interesting thing to, to work with the independent brands because like, uh, uh generally the perfumer has more freedom to create. He can create like, a a more polarizing perfume. You have more price in the in the in the formula, meaning like because each formula has a price. So when a client is telling us like we need that, we have cons- we we cannot do whatever we want. It will be too too easy. So we need to follow those uh, safety regulations. But then there is that uh, price we need to follow as well. And with those independent and niche brands you have like more price generally in the past. It was that. And now it's, I mean, the niche independent perfumery is, uh, also becoming a new mass market in a way. But, uh, what I can say is that, yeah, it's, it's not bad to, to create, uh, perfumes that, um, um, are less polarizing. It's two things. So on my side, I'm, I'm happy if I create like a, maybe a, um, a more rounded perfume with less, uh, character, but it, it, it would be easier to please more people with that, you know? So I think there is that way. And then I'm very happy also to, 
to create something that is maybe bold, like with more like uh, facets and everything, but maybe only one person will like it. You know? So I think those are very two interesting parts of the perfumer job is to be able to do both, to create like uh, perfumes that are like uh, more accepted, but also be able to create uh, perfumes that are like uh, bolder and uh, and uh, I think we need both because everybody is not ready to to smell like a uh, smoky leather, you know. Um, you talked about having mentors. Is that a pretty common, like if you're, whether you're independent or whether you're going through, you know, s- schooling and then continuing to train with a big house is, is mentorship a big part of the craft of perfumery? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I, uh, I've had the chance to meet Christoph, uh, so and uh, yeah, a mentor is uh, so. It's I think it's the in the perfume industry, like the mentor-mentee relationship is even closer than the other than in other um, fields. I don't know. I don't know other mentors-mentee that much. But since like it's a lot about experimentation and feelings and uh, emotion, uh, feeling what you your emotions when you smell. You don't have a lot of books where uh, you can study like formulating perfumes. So it's a lot of uh, like uh, words you exchange, some tricks. So I would say like the this is very very important to have a mentor. You he's not doing the job for you, you know. He's just like opening doors. He has keys and. Um, is like not telling you, okay, uh, if I were you, I would do that. It's just telling you, okay, here is my opinion and uh, take it. And I'm more experienced than you. So, I mean, if you are a mentee, uh, being, having a mentor is a chance. So you listen. And uh, usually, the, I mean, Christophe was a great mentor. No, I have a, his name is Claude. Claude Deer is a very like experienced perfumer. I don't know how is he, but he's like his sixties. So he has a lot of uh, knowledge and uh, he grew up in grass. So he had all those uh, stories behind it. And I like, like, I like, like sharing ideas with, uh, with him because uh, he has like a particular mind. And I think also when you are a mentor, you learn from your mentees. Because, um, I mean, perfume is also about like uh, fashion and living in the in an era where you, you are, where you are at. And I think if you are 30 or if you are 50, you don't experience the same way your life, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think if you are 30, you are maybe... Uh, it's easier for you to understand how people at your age are at that moment. And uh, somebody who is uh, 50, 60, they don't have the same habits. So for a mentor, I think it's also good for him to, to have that connection with the, maybe the, the re- reality of the youth 
that uh, the mentee is having right now. And uh, I love like all the, ex it's like you exchange with your, your elders, your grandparents in a way. You know, I always like to, to talk to my, uh, I only have one left, uh, unfortunately, but it's always, uh, each time they, 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 they talk, I don't know, I am, I feel like there is all the history behind them that is there. And, um, I love that I drink their, their words. And I think yeah, exchanging ideas is that. And to create like, uh, like bold perfumes, I think like, uh, old generations, older generations, new generations are good cocktail too. Yeah, to create like, uh, novelties. I wanted to circle back to something you said, um, that you, that growing up in France influenced you and that the perfume school, uh, was pretty much to your knowledge, mostly available in France and a bit in Italy, but why is France such a central location for perfume? Because like, uh, historically you said to be like the grass is one of the first place where you had some, um, some perfume making. Actually, it's because you have also Montpellier, which is a, a place in, also in the south of France. Because like, uh, you had like, uh, some fields of perfumes. And also, I need to remember that the perfumers were also glove makers. Are you saying gloves, like your hands? So this, yeah, gloves maker. And those were made with the uh, leather. It was mm. stinky. So at, at some point, like, uh, they were also developing sense to, to, to muffle those, uh, bad smells. So there is that, but then, um, then you also have like the Egyptians were like, uh, perfumers before us, but then you have also India. India is very good with, uh, with perfumes. Are you noticing a difference in attitude toward fragrance or toward smell in general uh, between France and the U.S. or maybe Paris and New York? In the U.S., when you see, this is not subtle. I mean, you need to smell uh, to have like kind of a kick in your face when you smell something. Uh, and in France, it's like you maybe have more like a details inside the perfume maybe also the i mean american people are known to be more expressive and you i would say you talk like more like uh, than us and french people well maybe more into i don't know so yeah we are said to be arrogant but <laughs> um more like maybe also because the the culture is the perfume culture is there for there's been um, more time that the culture of perfume is there. So you, we are more ready to, to experience things that are like more detailed. I don't know. I would say that one thing is that, but then in the U S uh, I would say like you, you trust more like the young generation than in France. It's not like about perfume, but it's more like a, yeah, if you are good somewhere, you can have responsibilities even if you are young. In France, it's a bit like 
you have all those coded steps, okay. Or, I think this is a interesting, yeah. The perfumers that you have um, been mentored by are both French, right? Uh, yes. We have smell mail from one of our listeners on social, and the question is, what is a fragrance that you like to wear? So it depends. So usually I'm not wearing fragrances because um, because I wear a lot of my work just to study them, to see, okay, uh, on Brothers, it's okay. So Brothers is all those small things, like the little strips. But then on skin, it's also different. It's reacting differently. So at one step, when you are happy to with one fragrance, you put it on your skin. And uh, so my arms are full with the perfume during the day and the night. But sometimes, yeah, if I have a special occasion, I I like, uh, I love Femité Dubois. It's a perfume from Serge Dutens. It's like a very woody, spicy fragrance with rose carnation. Uh, but usually I like, like leather, sweet leather, spicy, spicy notes. Do you have a scent vision for the future? Yes, I have a, a lot. So I would love to, I think it can happen, you know, like uh, music bands to create songs and they have like uh, videos to support the song. So I would love like for each song to have a, a perfume. Maybe it's too too much, but I think a good first step would be like every every band would have a olfactory uh, logo. I think this could be a first step because not every band has an identity now. Uh, and I think it's a good thing to think about, and I think it will happen. Then I would love to, like, I think the public is more and more more and more uh, educated about scents. And I think it will uh, help us to get rid of greenwashing. Did you say greenwashing? Greenwashing is when you, you, you claim like something is uh, good for the planet, good for your health, like a, but actually, this is not true. Or you play with this is marketing, marketing trend that sometimes in some brands you see, okay, yeah, there is no paraben, there is no blah, 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 uh, no phthalat, but uh, of course there is no phthalat in, in perfume. So you have a, so they are playing with words and sometimes I think it's dangerous. But I think, uh, but public is more and more, is more and more educated about that. So I think it will be banned and punished. And one last thing is to maybe think about more about uh, the, the farmers that are creating the beautiful ingredients they have. And I think those farmers will be more awarded in the future because without them, we are nothing. You know, like to create like a, a rose, uh, smell that we have on, in our palette. They are putting like thousands of thousands of rows and uh, 
So for us, it's easy. We use them, but if for them, like they have like a, a problem with their crop, like they, they are not, sell, they are not selling. So it's more impacting mm. their life than ours. So I would say like, yeah, um, I think those farmers will be more aware in the future. Okay. And speaking of bands, you are in a band, yes? Yeah. What is it called? It's called Cosmic Gardens. Talk to us a little bit about that. And I'm curious to know if your relationship with music and your relationship with fragrance and smells are interconnected. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that band has been like a year. So um, uh, we are two and uh, with my roommate. It's like an Indictronica band. So we like to to play like electronic sounds, but pair with organic ones. Organic meaning like uh, uh, electro-acoustic guitars. And we like that combination between like electronic music plus some uh, vibrating uh, organic sounds. We have a few songs uh, out, but because of COVID, then uh, we stopped uh, playing concerts, fortunately, but we are very, uh, we are working on two new songs right now and so we are ready to, to play again in bars, so hopefully soon. And about like the fact like music is uh, influencing the perfume and vice versa, I would say like, um, yes, of course, but I think it's like more um, in the process because like in perfumery, you you trash a lot of things in music you trash a lot of things and you work a lot you you what you trash a lot yeah of meaning things. like you, you you invest a lot of your time into something but then at the end you will, will only have like a a few things that you created created that would be in a bottle or that would be become a sound Gotcha. So, for instance, when you create a music, so maybe you play for two hours, three hours, and uh, you only have like five notes that will resonate inside you. And those five notes, you put them aside, you say, okay, it's cool, you forget them for a bit. Because you see, it's important to forget also, I think. Um, because then when you add it back, then you have a new, a fresh, a fresh uh, vision. To it uh, and perfume is the same sometimes you're working 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 on a note or like yeah I'm lost I don't know what I'm doing anymore because you are too focused on that you forget it for one week and then yeah you smell it oh yeah fuck uh, this is obvious but uh, all of that to say that True. in the the process itself is more about creating things and maybe um I don't know if I worked on a very deep amber smell uh, that day. If I'm playing music the night, I will have a darker vibe. But I think it's like more, um, it's more unconscious. It's also dealing with synesthesia. You know that uh, the fact that you can mix several senses in your brain. And I think every perfumer is doing it uh, consciously or unconsciously since we borrow vocabulary to all the the other senses even when you you can also think about shapes when you create colors sounds 
temperature. So I think for sure, like the more, and I paint a bit as well, and uh, I, um, I'm sure, like I want to try that actually, to um, to be in a room immersed with one smell. I'm sure unconsciously, if for instance there is a very vegetable, not vegetable, a very uh, sorry, um, like a green smell, very lushy forest. I'm sure I would have a tendency to use uh, green, green colors, or maroon. I don't know. I want to try that. It's in my to-do list. So yeah, so get, go check out the Cosmic Gardens uh, official uh, Instagram. Yeah, we have a few. We have some videos as well, and uh, maybe some. Um, some smell, some smells will, will come soon. Soon come the fragrance version for your band. Yes. <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, can you hit us with a tip um, as a perfumer, as someone who is advancing in your career as a perfumer? Is there a tip for the people listening that you've learned that you want to share? Yeah, just don't give up so you will you will uh, have a lot of no's but uh, if you believe in yourself and if you believe in uh, I mean if you are stu- if you are stubborn and a bit committed I want to say that reach out to people you have people that can help you and I have been lucky to find people that help me even if I am not from the industry if people feel you are very passionate and uh, and you you want to do something at some point, if you only do that, you will, you will be seen and it will be heard. So if you want to, to talk to me about uh, a lot of people that are, that are asking me, okay, do you have some tips? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, yeah, help people that are asking because uh, I've been lucky to be, to be helped in the past. So yeah, I want to, and I hope I will be a, a mentor one day because I like that, that exchange. Love it. Beautiful. Any fragrances that you have worked on that people could check out? Uh, yes. Christophe has launched a, a brand and I've created something with him. The brand is called The Zoo and the perfume is called Tuberous Organic. So it's uh, only one flower, which is tuberous. Very deep, vegetal, powerful. So you can check that out. I also work with him on the last uh, Grandiflora a fragrance which is called Saskia. It's about gardenia, that the flower. Also, a few smells for Keep. Keep is a candle brand. Uh, I've worked on uh, Jasmine Island, so it's a very lushy jasmine. And a few more questions to come. I hope. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, about COVID maybe. So I got COVID. It was a mild one, but, um, I would say my uh, sense of, I didn't lose my taste of my sense of taste. Sense of smell, it, uh, I have it, but I feel it's like slightly, uh, less powerful than before. Just saying that to people, maybe who experience COVID and want to get their smell back. It's to, to smell a lot of things. And when you smell, 
is uh, to remember what your thoughts were when you had the your full sense of smell. Like that, I feel like the connections in your brain are um, are faster. And uh, so I don't know. It could be like a, if you are drinking coffee, but you are not smelling coffee anymore. Just you smell coffee and you think about, okay, coffee. What was coffee smelling like before? And then I feel like it's fostering the connections and uh, it's a good exercise. Anyway, you need to smell everything you can uh, every day. Funny you mentioned practicing smelling your coffee in the morning, Hugo, because there's a group of scientists that I'm proud to be working with. They're called the Global Consortium of Chemosensory Researchers, or the GCCR, and they created a smell taste challenge where you can use your morning beverage to just tune in and practice smelling and describing the smell and checking in. And it's for everybody, whether your smell has been affected ever or by COVID or whether it's perfectly intact. So I'll throw the link to that on the website. Thanks, Hugo. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your for your time. And this was it's also interesting to to think about like the questions because sometimes you, you just do your things and you don't think that much about what you are doing. So it's very an immersive uh, it's an immersive uh, journey. So thank you for your questions and the time. Thanks for listening. Drop a question for our smell mail segment on Instagram at smell. Yeah. Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google play. And you can check our website for a whiff of what's to come. That's smell. Yeah.net. Nothing but net baby. We'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Smell you later.